Well, uh, we're going to continue to talk about 1 Corinthians, and we'll be in chapter 14 today, which will be fun. And, uh, you know, they say that uh, uh, Paul Allen, who is the co-founder of Microsoft, donated a huge amount of money to the SETI project. SETI is an acronym for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And uh, these are our big radio telescopes, but his... Uh, trying to you know monitor signals from outer space and so his funding helped them to set up a different format so they've got uh, a lot of little smaller radio telescopes but it increases the receiving capacity by over a thousand times what it was before all this to say if they're out there we're listening (laughs) and uh it, it raises the question, you know, God is speaking all the time. But are we listening? As profoundly as life for us would be changed if we knew that there was extraterrestrial life somewhere, uh, our lives have potential, the potential to be changed even more profoundly when we hear from God. And uh, so that's what we want to want to address uh, today. And Habakkuk, uh, an Old Testament prophet, at the end of his second chapter, writes these words. And he says that the idols of the pagans uh, are stone or metal or wood and they cannot breathe. They cannot talk. They can't speak or teach. There's no life in them. And then he, he, he writes, but the, earth, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Implied in that declaration is that God has something to say. He does have breath. He does speak. So be quiet so that you can hear. God speaks in a lot of different ways. Uh, my, my wife tells me, this is back before we were dating or anything, we were in a room with some other people and, and I was saying something and she heard a, a voice behind her Say, you're going to marry this man someday. See, I didn't stand a chance. <laughs> but she looked around because there was like a screened in porch and there were bushes. or something. She said, who's behind the bush? She was wondering if somebody was behind the bushes. Maybe I planted somebody back there. But uh, no, I think she heard God speak to her audibly in that moment. And it, it was important for her to hear that message apparently at the time. So ours is a marriage made in heaven. Right, honey? And uh, that's what she told me to say. (laughs) She's very diplomatic. She always lets me have her way. (laughs) No, she didn't even know I was going to share this today. But I've been blessed. Uh, But most of us don't hear God speak in an audible voice. But God does speak sometimes that way. Sometimes He speaks through dreams. Sometimes He speaks through other people. And my, my message today 
is simply to say that God wants to speak through you. God wants to speak through you. And this is what Paul talks about in this chapter. So let's read the beginning and the end here. Uh, he, he says this in verse 1. Uh, the first verse and the last verse or two kind of capture the essence of what this chapter is about. But he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. And then in verse 39, So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. So God wants to speak through you, and one of the ways is through prophecy. We're going to talk about that in, in just a couple minutes. But uh, early worship in the uh, ancient church was participatory. So this is what Paul writes in the middle of this chapter in verse twenty. Six, he says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So he gives a little thumbnail sketch of what worship was like for this particular church. It might have varied from city to city. Who knows? Probably wasn't always the same. But at Corinth. When they gathered together as a church like we are, everybody would come with something to share. So a, a prophecy, a tongue, an interpretation, a word of exhortation, a teaching, a song or whatever. And so it's much more participatory, more spontaneous than what we're used to experiencing in most Protestant churches today. Um, now, this created problems in Corinth, and though that's what Paul tries to address in this chapter. So, for instance, there was an overemphasis on speaking in tongues. And that was a gift that was made to be more important than what it actually was. And uh, when people would speak out in tongues, there was nobody to interpret. So there was no content. And for many of us, the way to our souls through our mind, you know, I mean, there's nothing for the mind to grab onto in that. If somebody's speaking in a tongue, nobody understands. There's no interpretation. And there was jealousy. There were there is not everything was done in love. In and in order to serve the, the, the other people who were there it's disorderly. So if an outsider came in and they think these, these people are just a little bit nuts. And uh, so Paul tries to lay out some ground rules to improve the experience. Now, 20 centuries later, you know, our life in worship is very different. We're not as participatory. You know, we're much more scripted in the way that, that we worship. We're pretty typical of Protestant churches not all Protestant churches are like this, but we are. Most of this talking that gets done is done from the stage area. And uh, the people up here are the ones that are, you know, presenting the music and so forth. Um, so it's less participatory. And speaking personally, 
Uh, it's a lot more comfortable for me and, and uh, maybe for many of you. I mean, we're, we're used to it. And there's something to be said for having a little bit more of a script for the times that we gather together. How much spontaneity can we have when you have a nursery that they're, they're going to start looking at their watch in about half an hour? And, you know, I mean, uh, and, and, and in the last service, you know, we had another group coming in this group for this service. So we had to be kind of done. And so a, somewhat of a script helps. But at what cost? Haven't we, to some extent, as Paul would say, quenched the Holy Spirit? Have we muzzled the voice of God that wants to speak through you? And uh, so it's, uh, there's a, a, a tension In all of this for us. Now, I would argue that there should be more room for spontaneity here on Sunday morning. But the best place for it is not on Sunday morning, but for the other times when we do get together. So life groups, prayer meetings, a worship night like we had Friday night. Um, you know, you could be here all night. It doesn't matter. So you get tired. So, you know, that gives a lot more opportunity for it. And uh, there's, there's uh, a lot to be said for that. But I believe that there are probably many times when God wants to speak to all of us through some of you. And we don't give him the opportunity. Today, we're going to make an exception. So... Don't get nervous. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. But we're going to talk a little bit about the gift of prophecy. And then we're just going to give God an opportunity to speak. Maybe to your heart, for you alone, but maybe God will give you something that you feel, no, this really should be shared with the congregation. And we had two people share in the early service with us, and it was great. Um, but let's, let's continue to look at this passage, and I'd like to read the first five verses of the, the passage now. And Paul is comparing and contrasting uh, prophecy with speaking in tongues. Here he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So he's talking about two different gifts here. The one they were having issues with, speaking in tongues. Uh, but he, he says, really, prophecy is a better way to go in the assembly 
unless somebody's there to interpret the tongue. And uh, but let's talk for a minute about speaking in tongue because it it takes up major space in this chapter. And uh, speaking in tongues is uh, is a, a, a divine enablement to speak in a language that you haven't learned. And it is used in at least three ways as recorded for us in the New Testament. First was on the day of Pentecost. So the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in tongues and there were people gathered around from many countries of the world. And miraculously, those gathered in the crowd heard the disciples speaking in their own language, their own native language. There are actually records of missionaries today that experience the same thing out on the mission field. Uh, that's one way that, that tongues sometimes is used. The second way is what Paul describes in this chapter. And he says, if you have some message in a tongues, you could stand up and share it, but there better be somebody there to interpret, or it really won't do anybody else any good. So don't disrupt the meeting with something that will be meaningless to everybody else except you. So the third use of speaking in tongues is for private prayer. Now, I personally, you know, have experienced speaking in tongues as a prayer language, and I have since I was about 18 years old. And so, you know, periodically I will pray in tongues and it's a private way for me to pray. Sometimes if I'm praying for somebody and I don't know how to pray, you know, I'll whisper something, you know, it's relatively inaudible. But if I'm laying hands on somebody or praying in a group, you know, sometimes whisper under my breath. I just don't know what to pray. So I just pray in the spirit, as, as Paul would say. And it, it's refreshing to your heart and your soul. But your mind doesn't know what's going on. So Paul says it's good to use privately. He encourages it. But in a public meeting, uh, no. Unless there's interpretation. Otherwise, there's no content. So nothing that builds the church. And uh, so there's a history to the whole phenomenon of tongue speaking because to quite frankly, to most of us, it's an oddball thing. You know, if I'm just being straightforward here, this is weird. And uh, but but when you read the Bible from, you know, like in Genesis, uh, you know, the Tower of Babel, you know, they built this tower and God saw that the civilization surrounding it was evil and filled with pride And so he confused the languages of the people. In other words, they they began speaking in tongues and and they didn't understand each other. And so pretty much everybody split. And uh, and so Babel, Babel began uh, with miraculous confusion. Pentecost, miraculous understanding. Babylon you know, they were scattered. Pentecost in Acts, they were gathered. Babylon resulted in disunity and division. 
Pentecost in unity and and uh, and 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 becoming a, becoming a church, and so a, a new society was born. So the speaking in, in the 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 curse of Babel was reversed on the day of Pentecost. So tongue, speaking in tongues becomes a metaphor, if you will, for the new life and community that was born on the day of Pentecost. And so it's a beautiful uh, a symbol and, and, a, and a beautiful gift. And, and people spoke in tongues quite commonly in the book of Acts as it's recorded for us. Now, we're a little different than, than, than traditional Pentecostals. We're not really a Pentecostal church, but um, uh, sometimes we like to say we're Bapticostal because we, we believe in this stuff, but we don't have, quite have the same theology. And uh, Pentecostals would have traditionally said that, that speaking in tongues is the unique initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we just don't believe that you can support that from the Bible. Yes, it's a common experience when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, but not everybody needs to expect to, to, to speak in tongues. So that's where we would differ theologically, but we don't deny the reality of the gift and the experience. Um, Having said all that, let's move on to, to prophecy because prophecy is uh, one of the more important ways that God speaks to His people. What is prophecy? Well, prophecy is, the best definition I can think of, is reporting in your own words a, a, a thought, an image, or a word that God brings to your mind spontaneously. So I get that definition basically from Wayne Grudem, who's a New Testament scholar. He wrote a monograph for the Vineyard Movement and it was expanded into a book. I knew him when I was in college and uh, I really respected him. Our, we read the, I read the book, our elders read the book, and we're kind of on board with, with what he concluded there. But he would argue that in the New Testament, prophecy is reporting in your own words a thought, a word, an image that, that, that comes spontaneously to your mind from God. So it's not the same. Prophecy is not the same as what I'm doing right now. What I'm trying to do is teach and preach. So there's a word in the Bible for that. It's teaching and preaching. Uh, so that's not prophecy. Uh, prophecy is not like Old Testament prophecy. So Old Testament prophecy, the prophets would stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. And, uh, and God spoke through them authoritatively, and their words are recorded for us in the Bible. And that is prophecy with a capital P. Prophecy Paul's talking about here is prophecy with a little baby tiny P. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's different. Unfortunately, it's the same word. So in our ears, when we hear prophecy, you know, we get all intimidated 
because we think, oh, it's like Amos or Isaiah, <laughs> you know. No, it's not. Prophecy is, 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 is a, something that God brings spontaneously to mind. So my messages on Sunday morning, I, 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 I work on them. I spend maybe six or seven hours a week getting ready to present what I do on Sunday morning. So uh, that, that's preparation study. Yes, it involves prayer. Hopefully, God inspires a few thoughts. But uh, prophecy is something that happens. It happens spontaneously. So I might be praying for somebody, and all of a sudden, there's a scripture that comes to mind, and I, I just share it with them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't always know whether it's, from God or from my own heart. I don't know if it's that important to distinguish. And I certainly don't need to say to the person, God says you know, to you today, God's told me to tell you. I just sort of say it, and then if it's from God, the Word will have its own impact. So, uh, some examples of prophecy, like, have you ever read Jesus Calling? Uh, with uh, Sarah Young, you know, it's a little devotional book. I, I took a short selection out of some of her stuff. But this is the tone that you would expect a, a prophetic word to have in the modern day church. And here she's speaking in, in the first person, which uh, is a little bit unusual, but it's, it's quite refreshing. She says here, I am leading you step by step through your life. Hold my hand in trusting dependence, letting me guide you through this day. Don't doubt my promises to care for you. Whenever you find yourself worrying about the future, repent and return to me. I will show you the next step forward and the one after that and the one after that. Relax and enjoy the journey, trusting me to open up the way as you go. So, prophecy, as I've experienced it at times in my life, has always been a very gentle and encouraging or comforting word. And um, I know uh, Betty said she, I could share this. Betty Bassett has been writing some scriptures for... Uh, Somebody in the student ministry every day or every week, I don't know. But anyway, she, she on these sticky notes, and she just, just wrote a scripture that came to her mind spontaneously. And she got a call from the, the person saying, how did, you know, how did you know to say that on this day? It was the anniversary of a real tragedy in her life, and the scripture was just perfect. For her, and um, so you know, sometimes it's just simply God brings to mind a verse from the Bible for you to share with somebody. Prophecy is not usually foretelling. When we think of prophecy, we think of predicting the future, and I think there are some elements at times in a, a prophetic message, but. Primarily, Paul says here, in the way, the way to, to judge a, a, a prophecy 
is, is, is does it build up, does it encourage, or does it comfort in the now? And if it doesn't do those, one of those three things, then don't share it. If it doesn't, if it's not going to bring a smile to somebody's face, then it's probably not from God. And those are the guidelines that Paul gives us here in the beginning of Romans 14. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 14. So, so that would be the test. And in, in just a minute, I'm going to invite us all to, uh, to spend just some quiet moments and ask, asking God to speak to each of our hearts. And there may be something that God just drops spontaneously into your mind or heart that would meet one of these three criteria. Does it build up? Does it encourage? Or does it comfort? And if you feel like it's something that, that you know, you're meant to share with the rest of us, we will be ready to have you share it. And uh, I'll be here in the front with a, a, a microphone and Benton will be in the back with the microphone. So if you feel like getting up and going forward or back to share it, uh, we encourage you uh, to do that. Let's give God a chance. So a uh, couple other guidelines that, that I, I think are important uh, are you know watching your language when you share things with people, because uh, I, I, I appreciate the people that say, God told me to do this, or God told me to say this to you. But uh, I think it's a little less presumptuous to say, uh, as I was praying, or as I was thinking about you, you know, this is something that came to mind. Or I, I sense... God may be saying this in this situation. Remember, prophecy is prophecy with a little baby P. Not a big capital P. So it's inappropriate for us to be, be, be presuming too much. In this chapter, Paul says, weigh the prophecies. In the assembly. So when somebody speaks a word like this, it's up to us to, to judge it, not to be mean or critical, but simply to discern, okay, is this something that I need to pay attention to or not? He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Keep what is good. Implication. That, okay, we're going to swing and miss sometimes. When I share with you or you're sharing with me something that you're sensing from God, maybe, you know, you might be right on, but you might not. And that's okay. None of us are infallible. Only God's Word is infallible. Which brings me to the last guideline, which is the final arbiter. In anything that's said ever in the church, whether it's by way of a prophecy or some other teaching, uh, is always to be judged finally by the Word of God. Scripture is the ultimate standard because God doesn't contradict Himself. 
But God is always speaking. And so let's give him a chance. Let's go for it. At least today. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. And uh, Father, I just uh, want to commit this time to you, these next few minutes. Thank you that you speak. And Lord, as we quiet our hearts, we want to ask, what is it that you have to say, Father, to me this morning? It might be nothing for anybody else, but just ask God to speak to your heart. Father, what do you have to say to me now? Speak, for your servant is listening. Father, help us to continue listening. But I just encourage uh, you, the congregation, if there's somebody that God's maybe dropped something in your heart or mind and you feel it would be... uh, Helpful to share. I want to encourage you to either come forward or go back and just briefly uh, share whatever word it is that God has given you. If, if there's nothing, that's okay. But I just invite you to be obedient. That was prepare your children for the days to come. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Father, thank you. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you that you are a God who is alive today and who continues to to speak. Lord, continue to help us to listen. And give us the courage to share with others when we feel that you've given us a message to share. In Jesus' name, amen.